Welcome back to the Connection Podcast. In this episode, we continue our ongoing Who We're Becoming series with Dave Glass. Kirk Blair joins us along with Leah Glass, Dave's wife. We get into topics such as retirement, taking care of grandchildren. We talk about a lot of book recommendations, which I always love. I always love talking to people about what books are so important to them that they give them away to friends. And then we talk about a, a topic that I don't think we've ever gotten into on the Connection, but I really enjoyed it. The importance of understanding the foundation of our country, the Constitution, and teaching that to the rising generation. I hope you enjoy. This is part one. We're going to have part two releasing in a couple days, and we're back for season three of The Connection, so expect weekly episodes. We're going to interview more people in the area. All right, welcome back to The Connection Podcast. It has been a little while. It's been about two months that we've been on hiatus, but I'm Super happy to be back. We're going to call this season three now. And we have a special guest on that has been here before. In fact, it's our first ever guest. That is Dave Glass from Springfield Fifth Ward. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Glad to be here. And we have your wife, your lovely wife, Leah, here with us today. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. And then Kirk Blair. Kirk is back, too. Hello. Eventually, we're, we're going to bring you on for your own <laughs> podcast at some point. I don't know about all that. We'll see. And we have a side bet that I'll make you cry. It's too easy. Too easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is this is a mini-series, actually, that we're continuing called Who We're Becoming. So we did your get-to-know-you interview to start. And this mini-series is focused more on how we've evolved and changed over the years. I, just to share with you, Dave and, and Kirk and Leah... The inspiration for this really was a little bit selfish. This was me turning 40 a couple months ago and really reflecting on, honestly, like getting older can be fun and exciting in a lot of ways because of how our mind changes, how we think differently about life. And sure, there's like things in our body that change that maybe we're not a big fan of. <laughs> but right. Sneezing blows your back out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Recovery takes a little bit longer, right? But... You know, it's a it's it's a cool process that I've really enjoyed. I just enjoy talking to other people about their journey. So first of all, Dave, a lot of people know you for the jobs that you've done in the past, in the military, SWAT, et cetera, et cetera. But now you're retired. Right. And what is Dave the grandpa like? <laughs> well, I'm a lot more tired than uh, Dave the SWAT guy was. <laughs> so... He's tired doing what he wants to do now, though, instead of having well, to get him to go to work every day. Really what my wife wants me to do. <laughs> I have a new boss. Yeah. Was the, what is the who? Uh, same as the old boss. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, but, and, uh, and Leah was telling us a little bit what Dave the Grandpa is like, too. <laughs> no, it's certainly a, a big change going from as busy as I was and the type of work I was doing to trying to schedule and manage my own time and keep myself busy and, and continuing to grow. Uh, but I have spent a lot more time with grandkids and that's certainly the benefit. How long have you been retired now? Uh, a year and a half. Nice. Yeah. So seven grandkids and, uh, have a lot of fun with that. I do get to babysit them a little bit. And, uh, during that while I'm babysitting them, I try to, uh, put them through certain rigors. They'll do exercises and obstacle courses and uh, teach them repelling and uh, do some martial arts stuff with them, gun classes. So it's a, 
kind of a full service grandpa, I guess. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, this is not most people's <laughs> life growing up. I don't know. <laughs> if that, was that like that for you? No, grandpa, we did like woodworking <laughs> in grandpa's garage, you know, and stuff like that. It kind of got me into the love of woodworking and actually golf, you know, but my grandpa wasn't ice bathing me and making me climb crazy stuff. Yeah, so we recently, <laughs> we recently both got into ice baths, right? That's right. Actually, you, you told me the one that we ended up purchasing. Right. Oh, yeah, and you put the grandkids through that. Well, I mean, they, they saw me with it, and, you know, grandkids, right? Great spiritual story. They want to uh, do what they see their parents or grandparents doing. So uh, Grandparents are the best, yeah. hands down. I get to be fun and then yeah. load them up in sugar and send them home. But, uh, no, <laughs> I, yeah, I was ice bathing and told them what it was. And uh, the my youngest granddaughter is seven, Remy. She's cute. This can be. And she saw me get in there and she wanted to follow suit and she was able to stand a minute and her brother, a little bit younger, he's six, and he was in there for like five seconds and jumped out. <laughs> Couldn't hang. But she had to beat him. Remy did. They're pretty competitive though, all of them or just a couple of them? Or? Uh, I would say uh, Matthias, which is the youngest boy. Yeah, he's pretty competitive with all the other ones. And he'll, if you make a rule for any game, he's going to break it. Just laugh in your face. I'm just secretly thinking here, Kirk, like, could we survive the grandchildren games or no? I don't know. Like, I, don't, I don't know. We could do, like, Grandpa Dave boot camp or something. See if we can hang. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, just trying to keep them busy and engaged and do different things. I like that you're teaching them good life skills or things that they may be able to use or, you know, stretch their brains a little bit. Right. That's the idea. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I like to ask a lot of people about is just, you know, how you focus your time and priorities as as you get older. I, I think that, and, and Leah, feel free to chime in here too, as, as far as what's changed for you. But, you know, one thing we've talked about, Dave, is how you've learned to put the important things first. Um, and I, I wanted you to unpack that some more, just how you've done that, what kind of strategies you've used. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to, everybody's at a different spot in their life. And so it's certainly more easy for me being retired to fall into that habit of saying, these are my priorities and then making it happen. So when I talk about it, it, it's certainly not with any judgment of what other people are going through because certainly Leah and I have been through um, numerous things as parents where your time is just so limited. And so it's hard to really focus on the priorities and really what at least what we consider to be, you know, spiritual type priorities and so forth. Really what it comes down to is when you're, you're struggling as a young parent, your priority is just surviving sometimes. And it's just taking care of the kids and, and taking care of your spouse and uh, making sure you find just a couple of minutes during the day to reconnect and so forth. So certainly when you're going through all that and you're working and uh, just struggling from day to day, sometimes it really feels like you're not meeting any of your priorities. But I would argue to some degree that, that as you go through that in your life, you're still meeting your priorities. And the priorities are, are immediate needs of the family. Hopefully you're getting uh, good spiritual time in there to train you know, and uh, help the kids feel the spirit, help your spouse feel the spirit. And then at some point, moving, maybe moving beyond that where you can help other people and so forth. And, and those all kind of work together. Certainly at, at the stage I'm at now, it's a lot easier for me to have time to plan um, look at, uh, evaluate what's important to me and what's important to Leah and I, and then just kind of, uh, work through that process. Don't have to take care of kids anymore. Right. 
-hmm. we can offer help to our kids and see where their weaknesses are and where we needed help when we were in their spots, we can step in and give their kids and give them the relief that they need, which is what we have been doing. I like that. Absolutely. And that's, you're you're spot on with that. That's, uh, some people are, have probably, are probably much better at that than we ever were. But, but once we have that perspective and we've gone through it, now it becomes where we remember what this was like and how difficult that was. And so it's easy for us to, as you said, step in and, and help out and be more part of a, a solution to make other people's lives a little bit better. Cool. Yeah. And I can, you know, when it comes from a place of love, they can tell. And I think that's awesome. It, it is a important topic. I want to just talk more about it because I, I remember the talk. I, I believe it was a talk given by President Hinckley, which, by the way, do you guys ever feel like you have a guy who's like your prophet? Yeah, Hinckley. <laughs> like, yeah. Like Hinckley was totally that for me. The, everybody before him were a bunch of old guys that I never got to really hear. And, and everyone after him, it's like you feel him out for a second. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. He's the prophet. Yeah, but Hinckley was the guy that was just, I was at that age where you never question it. He's just your guy. Things he yeah. says resonate and they kind of yeah. stick, you know, things, ideas. Yeah. See, it was Benson for me because when yeah. I was on my mission, he came out to our mission and saw us as a, a California mission. So we got we got to meet him and interact with him and his wife, and that was pretty cool. That is awesome. That's really neat. Yeah, but I remember Hinckley, he, he talked about good, better, best, and prioritizing that way. But one thing I don't remember ever being part of that talk, but I think is super relevant, is the fact that the, the good sometimes feels like the most urgent thing in your life right now, and the, and the better and the best doesn't have a deadline. An example for me is kind of not perfect one, but... You know, I, I want to, I'm doing a certification for my work that's really important for me that it will help me to actually be more of a lifestyle coach type doctor. And I'm, I'm learning some things in the gospel that are really important to me that I want to take time for. Uh, but it's the phone calls, <laughs> the work phone calls. You know, I, can you relate to that, Kirk? You're taking work phone calls? Is yeah. it like when work you're on call at work? To, they just get in the way, man. It feels like every ounce of my energy gets poured into that. And then the stuff that I really care about just gets pushed down a little bit because no deadline. Oh, I hear you there. I feel like it's I, actually when Dave was talking about how he can, and, and Leah as well, when you guys were talking a little bit about how you can focus and helping your children in areas that you saw, I kind of feel like. Right now in my life is just chaotic, you know, like deadlines, this, working these jobs, doing all these things and kids and this and that. You really don't have a lot of time to even stop and think. And sometimes you hit the head on the pillow and you're like, dang, I could have done that better. <laughs> Should have been there. Oh, they wanted to hang out and I didn't or this and that and the other. It's just kind of like, it's kind of chaotic. It's tough. It's tough to organize. Do you feel like at a later stage in your life as grandparents and or retired, do you feel like you can be there more? I mean, obviously you kind of said you already could, but do you feel like it's less chaotic and you can kind of direct your time a little easier and better to things that you feel like need it? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's the thing is, and I think every young couple, even, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not special. It's, it's a struggle. It's the daily grind and the daily grind is with work and kids and everything else is uh, pretty overwhelming. And then you throw in, any kind of a tragedy there might be in life or uh, difficulties, whatever whatever gets thrown at you. And then you've got just a chaotic mess that uh, you're trying to maneuver through. You're just uh, trying to survive. And then you got like, to, to kind of touch back on that a little bit about the good, better, and best, I feel like best is almost now where you guys are at, where you're able to see things a little more clearly. You have a little bit 
I mean, I feel like even the older I get, you realize things like stuff people think doesn't matter as much. You yeah. know, but things when you're younger or trying to do things, you're thinking of what other people think and this and that. And I think that a lot of that kind of disappears and it's not as, as prevalent as it should be when you're older or not. Or Yeah. And I, I still think there's things we can do at our age, though, although you're oh, much 100%. older than me. So, oh, stop. Yeah. Like a month older than him and he loves to ride that. <laughs> but it's, it's even like this. This is the stupidest thing I'm going to share, but... We have a laundry problem at our house where we're just constantly cycling laundry. Who doesn't, bud? Right? <laughs> and, uh, you guys don't. No. You know, the thing is that we just keep doing the laundry. Dude. But if we just took a pause for a day for a Saturday and we like threw away or donated clothes, we wouldn't have nearly the urgency that we do with laundry, you know? <laughs> that or dishes. Right? Never Isn't ends, there a man. metaphor in that? <laughs> I just think the good, better, and best also means time almost season of life is i guess yeah. what i was kind of getting at as well i kind of feel like there's a time to be good a time to be better and your best when you can show your best self and or be there specifically for reasons that you've seen because you've lived it a little bit yeah yeah I, I that's kind of so. what i was thinking i don't know if that's the right metaphor no, there but i i love that actually and i think that's part of what's cool about changing is that we we have that grace of even if we were like in the grind in our younger parenting years like we have, God gives us this time later on to where we can reflect and prioritize better. So I, I think that's super neat. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited about it going forward. Although you know, you, we we never know what our time is here. On oh earth. right. So yeah. it's good to it's good to yeah, good, better, best. That's all awesome. But it's good to at least have one thing that's the best thing. Yeah. That oh. you focus on. A hundred percent. I agree and, with that. And uh, maybe you can't do it every day, but it's there. It's part of your yeah. goals. And, you know, yeah, I'm not saying that's all gospel. I'm just saying kind of interesting to think about one thing the I've time of life on those on those super big priorities is, is sometimes they, they can't be pushed aside. You have to almost clear the decks with with all of your tasks. And like this day is the day that I'm going to do this certification for work. This is the day that I'm going to, you know, study this talk that was really important to me. Or this is the day that I'm going to go fishing with my kid. Like I'm not trying to fit in a bunch of other things right and there's some anxiety with that too i feel like sometimes when we when we really do clear the decks but that's for me like how i've been able to get things done and prioritize because you never like at our age at least kirk like we don't we don't have like, at our open age days. so old yeah <laughs> the the wrong side of 40 right i wish i were the wrong side of 40 <laughs> <laughs> uh, i am the wrong side of 40 you are we are more than the wrong side of 40. You wish you were on the other side of 40. Yeah. What, what age did you just turn? Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we're the same age, so. Right. She's six months older, so every year I'm, I'm uh, with an older woman. Yep, there you go. My wife is one year older than me. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah, much older is, than Jason, uh, even though I'm a month older. Than me, older. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. There you go. So older <laughs> women, man, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They know what's up. <laughs> Kirk, you were we were talking before the show about books. Books. Yeah, I've never been gonna, much of a reader, but I should probably read some of these. I yeah. should be. I think. I, I. I mean. I think it's great. It's fantastic people to do. I think that it's good for your brain. Um, my wife loves to read and whatnot. Um, you gave a couple examples of books that you've read, Dave, on here. Um, you want to tell me about any of those books? What are a couple uh, of them? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many good books out there, but you know, how, how often do you read? Sorry to cut you off. I read, I mean, I read stuff all the time. Okay. Every day I'm reading something, but some other days longer than others. But I think the, uh, there's certain books in your life, you know, other than scripture 
that uh, kind of resonate with you and that and that you get some kind of a knowledge from and it kind of keeps coming back to you in your life and uh, I think one of the biggest ones that I enjoyed was the book Endurance it was about uh, Ernest uh, Shackleton that's basically the story of 1914 uh, Ernest Shackleton's the head of a uh, expedition to Antarctica and it's we're talking old school back then right no GPS's they're in a, a wooden ship the means of preserving food and water and all those things is very rudimentary and so they uh, they travel to Antarctica and their goal is to cross by land Antarctica for the first time and so they don't have you know Gore-Tex and right, right. all the all the cool stuff we have in a GPS they can hook Man. up and just walk right yeah, these guys are Tough. pretty serious they got dog teams they got sleds um, how many were in this expedition uh, I'd have to I can't I mean, remember it was like, it was like 60 or something uh, like oh, that oh so pretty big okay I yeah it was a fairly big expedition I, I'm not sure the exact number but I mean, the short of it is they they travel down, and as they're trying to navigate the ice flow to get to the main part of Antarctica, they get stuck in the ice. And this wooden ship, over a period of uh, a few weeks, they think, okay, we're gonna we're gonna stay in this ice flow. It's gonna break up, and then we're mm-hmm. gonna continue. Yeah, ice doesn't break up. In fact, their ship starts to crush. And so oh, we experienced some of that. Yeah, I was gonna say, did we just come out of that a little bit? Yeah, our so, week trial of Alaska. Ice over sucks. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, ice is bad. And so what happens is uh, eventually the ship, over time, starts to crush. It tilts to the side. They're in it as long as they can, and then they end up having to take their supplies and their dog teams and all they can carry, put it on the ice floe, move away from the ship, and eventually the ship just slowly crushes and goes under the ice so imagine how you would feel you're thousands of miles from anywhere you yeah. can't you know access your cell phone literally there's, nowhere there's no means I mean, of, of recovery or or and if somebody does come looking for you it won't be for two years i was gonna say no helicopter flying over no nothing you're you're and you're stuck ranger. on the ice you're with your dog and, yeah and then you have to survive and that's so that's the book it's the story of their survival and everything they went through did a lot of them make it out? No, they all survived. They all survived, okay. But it was, the lessons of it were um, leadership, coordination of everybody, discipline, uh, having tasks and goals. And the tasks and goals were, they had an overall overarching large goal, and that was survival and returning home. But the subtasks were things they worked on every day. And then also the concept of everybody having skills, and focusing on what their skills were. And trusting each other to do their yeah, skills, what they that, can do. Absolutely. And and each of those guys there had special skills. And, of course, they overlapped. But right. uh, some were better navigators with a sextant and things like that. So uh, these are all things that they had to do. And over time, they survived on the ice. They kept moving. They navigated. They had a couple of long boats that were open-top long boats that uh, they took from the ship. These guys sound tough, dude. Oh, like, I mean, <laughs> and it talks about in detail about you know they would kill yeah. kill seals and and uh, sea lions and different things and eat those uh, when their provisions ran low. It's our next high adventure, man. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah. Count ready. me out. <laughs> but one of the biggest parts of it was uh, they they took a group of guy they took took them all in these longboats and for a thousand miles in an open boat they went across the. Uh, uh, the Antarctic Ocean up and up towards uh, South America, and if you look at the the oceans in South America in that area, there's some of the most treacherous in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And they talk about uh, you know 30 foot waves and crests yeah. and this whole. That's thing. why the um, sailors get um, diamonds in their ears when they go around it. 
That's right. Yeah, it's a memorable event mm -hmm. because it's, it's a big deal. So just rough years. seas. Yeah. yeah. High water and winds and everything. Yeah. And they eventually make it back. Wow. Mm -hmm. That sounds like an incredible journey though, those guys. And you know what's interesting is when you said they all had special skills, they all depended on each other, they all trusted each other, they all knew their niches and they followed them. Is the same thing with the SWAT team. Right. Sure. You guys all worked like a well-oiled machine. You all trusted each other. You all did what you're supposed to do. And you all went straight on point and you functioned and worked beautifully together and you always we got our man you always got your yeah. man yeah. <laughs> yeah no i mean that's that's the same in any endeavor when you have an organization and you're right if, if they're going to be successful you can translate elements from one thing to another and you can translate that to uh, spiritual development and growth and and as a ward and a church what we're supposed to do to help each other yeah no that's awesome i, I love book recommendations i I think one of my favorite things is talking to people like we are right now about a, any kind of book that you've given as a gift to somebody. Because mm -hmm. um, there's there's a story behind that, right? I mean, I, I guess some of us might just give away books like an assignment. <laughs> like, <laughs> but for the most part, like it's we're giving away something that was deeply impactful in some way, right? That's right. Yeah, something um, you learned a lesson from, or meant yeah. something to you, for, meant something to you, or you learned something. Yeah, right. and I think Leah, you were talking about a, a little book too that uh, Dave's given away to several people, at least. Mm -hmm. As a man thinketh. As a man thinketh. Yeah, James Allen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got that uh, when I'm on my mission for my mission president, and it. Uh, I end up reading it about once a year. It's not not a big book. It's pretty easy to read, but it really covers right up my alley. Yeah, there you go. But it's it's uh, every page you can take you can take one page and read it, and you have to think about that one page because there's so many uh, subtle lessons in each of those. And my personal copy is like all these underscores that I put on there, and, and you know, a yellow marker. Um, it's been well loved. Yeah, absolutely, and it it really covers the effects of of how you think, not only in your physical health, but on your spiritual health and how you interact with other people. And uh, the great power that that thought has in all aspects of your life. And it, in specific, uh, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, thought being the forerunner of action, of course, we've all heard that. But uh, more specifically, delving into the long-term effects on thought and how the continued effort in one area of thought leads to a logical conclusion, whether it's good or bad. So if you have thoughts that are impure or not necessarily just lustful, but uh, greed or whatever, whatever the vice is, if you have that continued thought by nature of, of how things work, you eventually you'll lead to whatever the logical conclusion of that thought is. It doesn't happen just overnight, right? Generally, if you look at a person's life path, you can you can go back to a thought process that has produced that, whether good or ill. Right. I was thinking maybe the kind of a lighter thought on that would be goal setting. I mean, you you set something, you set a vision, you have it in your head, something you think about, and hope that that comes to fruition. Absolutely. And if it's in the back of your mind, even if it's a little seed, even if it's like a little thought, but you think about it all the time, that very well could come to fruition because that seems to kind of where you're probably sort of headed. Right. And a lot of it's it's a lot of it's just the concept that. Of course, if you're looking at positive things, you are setting more goals and so forth, and you reap the uh, the results from that. But what people don't recognize is that if you have no goals or don't really think about things and you just 
maneuver along in your life, uh, Lazadeco, that word. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm then, not even gonna try to say it. You're good. Yeah, yeah. We're on the same page. Uh, then, then, then you get uh, you get the results of that. And a lot of times, that's the way people are, right? They they don't really think about it. And they go, well, I kind of have this little vice, but you know. And I think one of the quotes in the book is, "You don't end up in the pothouse or the gallow by circumstance, but by continued thought in one area that leads you to that spot." That's cool. No, it, it gives it goes to the theme actually. This mini series, anyway, who we're becoming. You know, it's it's a, uh, you know, it, it, I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes we just think thoughts and we feel like they're casual. You know, I'm I'm just kicking this idea around. You know, but it's ultimately it has every thought process has a logical conclusion. Like you're talking about, it's taking you somewhere. You're becoming something. You're right. being discipled by someone or something, right? Just who is doing that? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> who's who's got the wheel? So. Yep. That could be just bad habits of fishing too much or something. I mean, mm. you, I mean, not, it doesn't necessarily playing golf to be. too much or snowboarding too much. Hmm, or, I wonder who that is. <laughs> somebody liking <laughs> having a lot of guns. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. None. Who none. 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 Okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't have any. Yep. None. Lost them on a horrible boating accident. <laughs> Yeah, I think we were together on that boating accident. Uh, Pretty sure we were, actually, I think. Yeah. It was really tragic that day, though. I missed a lot of things. I, you know, I heard about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Um, Leah, do you have any books that really impactful for you that maybe you've given away? Or? I like to read books that aren't real life, that um, Fiction? take my mind off of um, tragedy and... More entertainment purposes. And no dogs die. Oh, so John Wick is out. Yep. Yeah. And yep. are, you know, everybody's happy in the end. They don't have to be romance. Just, so it's something completely unrealistic yes, from what our lives Maybe there are fairies involved. Maybe there aren't. So are you Lord of the Rings fan? Or are we I like, love Lord of the Rings. Let's go. Yes. Okay. Every, every uh, that's I love one of Harry our Potter. Christmas. Yeah. Yes, so yes. every Christmas we watch uh, the Harry Potter trilogy. And Lord, Lord of the Rings. Of the Rings. And, and Hobbit. And the Hobbit. See, so yeah, yes. we just need yes. to go to Dave's house yeah. during the way to do the obstacle course, watch Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. <laughs> we started too early yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah we peaked too early. early. That sounds like a good time. Our year. That's yeah. a lot of movies, though. I mean, that's a lot of hours and a good time. No, 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 that's fine. It, it is like <laughs> retired. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that whole little it, nugget actually, there. Actually, though, Leah, one, one thing that I was on a plane flight once, and this was like when I was still in early in my career. It, this guy I was talking to, this businessman, a successful millionaire guy, he was just, you know, a little bit older, maybe 60s, 70s. And, and uh, it, we were talking about books that we like to read, and I was naming all these nonfiction things, and, and you know, including kind of some financial advising books, you know, um, The Millionaire Next Door and stuff like that. And and he was like, you know what you should do? The thing I learned the most in my life is every once in a while you just need to read like a fiction novel, something that you can escape in and enjoy. Yeah. And I was like, that, that hit me at a time where I was so career driven and career focused that everything has to like level me up somehow yeah. that, it, you know, I can't read something just for fun. And he's like, yeah, you got to do that, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that's awesome. And you should do it, right? Yeah. You know, and what, um, Musashi, I really enjoyed that one. Yamato Musashi? Yeah, his, his, his thought process. I, mm -hmm. he, just when he, watching his, when he bought that land and watching how the water flowed so he could learn the lay of the land so he could mm -hmm. plant his garden. And then I liked um, Napole that book on Napoleon when um, he went and went to Russia. Oh, and, yeah. and his mm -hmm. 
poor army, how they suffered. I love, well, yeah. I didn't love what they, happened to them, but That's brutal. what yeah. they went through was, was fascinating. I mean, I like all of that, but I, I just can't take too much tragedy in my old age too much <laughs> in a row because it's... Um, Your old age? Yeah, in my old age because it's just too <laughs> devastating. We're the same age. So that means yeah. She's not saying yeah. I'm old, yeah. too, but uh, there you have it. I have to take uh, <laughs> Just a little plug. Dave is old. Dig. <laughs> in my winters. No, you're absolutely right. That's got to have so, a little uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, I like garden trolls. So there was, I, I'm definitely getting, as a man, think if I'm going to star that actually, but there's one other book that you've recommended before, mm. The 5,000 Year Leap. Tell absolutely. me about that. Cleon Skousen, you've probably heard of him, a famous church author. Yeah. Right? So it, one of the most brilliant writers of uh, you know our time, and it's certainly well-versed in church doctrine, but also, maybe not as well-known, uh, Cleon Skousen was a historian of the United States, and most specifically, the book, The 5,000-Year Leap, talks about why our government was formed, why it was so unique, the special things about it, the very uh, tenets of the government and how those specific things were unique, and then also the uh, kind of the responsibility of the people. And it's a unique, unique book, especially nowadays, because there's so many contrary opinions on what the Founding Fathers really meant and what was the importance of our country being formed. Why was it so different? Why was it that within you know, 100 years of it being formed, it was the most wealthy nation in the world when it only was around for a short period of time? Right. What made it so unique? And I saved the dedication to the book. And if you don't mind, I'll read that. It's, it's yeah. brief. It's yeah, brief. Be cool. But I think, I think it encapsulates uh, the concept of why it's a, a great book. <clears throat> so this is... Uh, the dedication in the book dedicated to the generation of resolute Americans who we call the founding fathers. They created the first free people to survive as a nation in modern times. They wrote a new kind of constitution, which is now the oldest in existence. They built a new kind of commonwealth designed as a model for the whole human, uh, for the whole human race. They believed it was thoroughly possible to create a new kind of civilization, giving freedom, equality, and justice to all. Their first design for a free people nation was to encompass all North America, accommodating, as John Adams said, two to 300 million free men. They created a new cultural climate that gave wind to the human spirit. They encouraged exploration to reveal the scientific secrets of the universe. They built a free enterprise culture to encourage industry and prosperity. They gave humanity the needed ingredient for a gigantic 5,000-year leap. That sounds like a good book. What? When was that book written? That, do you know? Long, long ago in a galaxy far away. Right. I don't know. I just figured it sounded like a long Yeah, it, it's, ago. Uh, I want to say back in the 70s. Okay. I'd have to look at the book. Yeah, still super relevant now. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's what's not being taught. Yeah. And it's uh, what the American exceptionalism and the concept of having a moral people and say it sounds like what should be getting taught. Yeah, and that if that was taught, then people would understand more of why it's exceptional, what our duty is, and how, as a culture and a nation, we can uh, help the world. I, th I think uh, I was just reflecting on this. I was actually cheating a little bit and looking up this book before we started the podcast because it seemed really interesting. But um, I also started that, by the way. I I was reading about Captain Moroni this morning, and and a few commentaries on him saying that he really was the man for the time and, and people needed somebody 
at that period of time who believed in freedom, who believed in what was right. And I, I also think that now is really a time where we need men and women who believe in the principles that this country was founded on. And I, I could do better at that. Honestly, I could do better at teaching my kids, I should say, about that. I was just curious, you guys as parents, and I know this is important to you too, Kirk, like how do you convey that importance and the specialness, I guess, of, of our country to, to your kids? I don't have a direct answer to that other than just letting them know that there are people that have given their lives and people that are continually giving their lives so that we have freedoms that we have today and we're able to do the things we can and that there's that, that was very much God's hand in creating constitution and whatnot for America and a lot of our beginning ideals and our forefathers. I think that's all important to know about and know the truth and know why we're here and that we stand for God and that we stand for each other and that we can be an amazing nation. If we just keep to some of these ideals, like the little bit he was hinting on about how we got started. I mean, I don't know how to say that. I mean, this is uh, one area that I think, and I could be just lacking information. But this is one area that I think the church, it would be good if we stepped up a little more on. And I know that there's our primary goal is to teach you spiritual concepts and so forth. But it would be nice is, is if there was a class that members of the church could go to to teach the basic principles of, of American history, con- American history and the right. Constitution. Uh, as a matter of fact, Cleon Skousen, they used to have that back in the day. Yeah. Was, they used to teach classes on it and teach these principles. And then they would create a kind of a core group of people that would in turn teach it. And so people had this greater understanding of, uh, of civics and so forth, which right now it's totally lacking. Everything's yeah. negative. Um, wasn't it, I've read somewhere that it, it is our church and people that are like-minded with us that's going to save the Constitution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. it is being I've heard that too. Yeah. somewhere. In, in our church and in like-minded people. And I know for a fact that you've taught our sons to be patriotic and to love this country because they have your mind. Mm-hmm. And I've heard our son, Joseph especially, he, he speaks exactly like you. Right. So whatever you've done, you've done it. Right. But it, it, you're right. But I think what I'm speaking of is it's hard for everybody to be an expert on it. Yeah. And it's hard for... You know, I feel like it's hard for youth in this day and age too, a little bit, because they're getting browbeat on all sides from the adversary and getting confused. You know, and there's a lot of fog that needs to be lifted. I, I agree, and I think what I'm speaking to is you're right; it has to be taught at home by by mom and dad. But it would be nice if there was a formalized class mm-hmm. that touched on those things that uh, people could attend and, yeah. and learn. And I, yeah. I don't think you're speaking on a turn either. You know, I I think that I always try to look if I'm if I'm having a question like that. I, I look to what the brother and the the general authorities have done. And you know, it was I think it was Dallin H. Oaks, right, who talked on the Constitution a couple years ago. Absolutely. Right? And so I feel like he always gets the hard talks, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> like, it does. Like 50% of people are going to be mad at you for this talk. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Have fun. <laughs> Do your best. Yeah. No, they, the church yeah. has touched on a lot of those topics. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. I think I'm just referring more to the nuts and bolts in history yeah. and things like that. But uh, Captain Moroni is, has always been one of my favorites, too, for that very reason of, of what does he do? He sees the problem. He hears about the kingmen and what they're trying to do. And what's the first thing he does? He kneels down and prays. He prays that he'll have wisdom, that he'll be able to, to serve Heavenly Father the way he's supposed to, that he'll be able to protect his people. And then what's the next thing he do? He puts on his armor. 
Right. Right. So there's yeah. two principles there. There's the principle of spirit and praying and being humble and asking God. And then there's the principle of action. Right. And that's right. what we have to have in our life is those two things for in that order. Mm. This is some of those transpire to the come follow me right now too with the nephi story you know and his brothers and whatnot slaying laban and lemuel and or not laban no he slays he wanted to slay lemuel no yeah pretty much <laughs> but not my bad we've all wanted to do that to a family <laughs> well one time or another but that story also is like you know being there in spirit and having to do the work that's right yeah yep that's really good man i love it I'm going to shift to a more light topic for a minute. Maybe it's, maybe it's a heavy topic still. It's a, we, we have a pretty big questionnaire for this mini series. So thank you for filling that out by the way, Dave. And the, the point of that is really, we're, we're trying to have deeper conversations about how we're changing over the years. But uh, Dave found a way to mention steak in like five different answers, pretty much. <laughs> so what he likes. You, you steak guy. <laughs> well, I mean, my yeah, I've always loved steak. But when I was growing up, yeah. my mom, my dad used to joke that uh, my my mother must have thought that we were gods because she always gave us burnt offerings. <laughs> the steaks were not cooked appropriately, and and then in the and then I had a huge. That was my experience with steak, right? Like uh, so, you had a falling out of it. You're like that's gray, so nasty. Well it's not done, good. Chewy, yeah. right? You know, she did her best. She was a loving mother. But uh, and then and then uh, I married Leah, and my next experience with steak was a family dinner at her house with uh, a prime rib. Oh. Well, yeah, it was like... Uh, Leah's but, not messing around. Wow. Well, <laughs> but her whole family's there, and I'm kind of new to the family. And it was like eating with a bunch of Neanderthals. <laughs> they they had this big, <laughs> bloody platter, and they're all taking their... Yes. They're, like, they're reaching across, grabbing buns, and they're, dick, they're dipping the... The bread and the blood, and it's dripping off, and it's in, running down their faces. That's not actually blood. And, but... and it's like, wow, yeah, this... It was actual blood. It was oh, actually, yeah, the blood from the... Yeah. yeah. And... We would butter the bread and stick it in... When you cut it, you stick it in the blood, and then you put the meat in there, and then you have a... Little that bit. sounds delicious. So we're not talking it the myoglobin, it's actual blood. Yeah, okay. It's cooked. Yeah, that's great. Meat juice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was my experience. I was taken a little back. Yeah. I'm used to a brick. I don't know what this yeah, is. And, uh, but... But you, you know, the the goal of the podcast is how we've changed over the years. So yeah. I've come to appreciate a medium rare and sometimes even a little rare steak. Okay, with, perfect. With uh, with some of the blood and so forth. Mm. But uh, I actually had a dream after that mm. after that experience too yeah, about vampires vampire. and, and being attacked. It was oh weird. my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird. He type. didn't know what to think. I was trying to process this. It was this too late. We were married. The change yeah. is happening. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if I was on the on the menu or what. But. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna say need to sleep with a golden spike or something. He's like, or a silver spike. That's it. I don't know. It's gonna take me. So, but steak's important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've I've definitely changed that way too. I, I've definitely come to appreciate a medium rare. Yeah, especially the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah. Wait, at what point do you say it's not steak anymore? Is it is it medium <laughs> well? Is it well done? Is it? I don't know. Medium and beyond is just wrecking the thing. I agree. I agree. Medium <laughs> rare is. Is about perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Leah, you like medium rare, most sometimes rare. If it's in a steakhouse, I have to have medium because mm-hmm. it's just I like it warm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes though, you gotta go to the right steakhouse. Sometimes their medium is overdone. You're like, dude, slow right. down there, champ. Right. A real right. steakhouse. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, cool. I'm glad we got into that. Do you guys <laughs> barbecue at home or use a smoker or what do you guys? We have a taker. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
You ever done Traeger steak? I've never done that. And Traeger steaks yeah. are good, yeah. Yeah. I need to get into the reverse searing or whatever beforehand or after. Yes, that's... I need to start doing that. That's good to do. Oh, man. Uh, talking about vampires, that's a good segue. Because <laughs> we, we, we were talking a while ago about, Dave, about what do you do with people who suck the life out of you? What have, what have you learned to do there? Try to kick them to the curb. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you go through your life and, and we're taught to always help people, right? And that's a good uh, mantra to live by. But there comes a point when doing that affects you. Yeah. And it, uh, it affects <clears throat> your goals and your family and your, your spiritual health, your mental health. So over the years, I mean, I think that's one of the bigger changes I've made is that at some point... I'll be dealing with a person and you have to make judgments in life. That's the way it is. You're not always going to be right. But uh, certainly you do the best you can with things. And then if, if somebody is not willing to make a change and they continue down the same path, even though you offer help and some guidance and direction, then at some point you have to disengage from that because you just uh, beat yourself to death and make yourself miserable. No matter who they are. No matter who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And what we found... Leah and I over the years is that you have to protect yourself, especially your marriage. And you mm. can, I, I see this, wow. you know, in a lot of things in life is that you, uh, you are so busy helping other people that you neglect the most important thing, which is it your kids. Well, yeah, to a degree, but really it's your spouse. You, mm -hmm. Your children are different. They are. Your adult children are adults. Your baby children are different. Yes. Your adult children can go and have their lives and you need to protect your spouse. I agree. Yeah, your first, in my mind, uh -huh. your spouse is, is number one. Your spouse is number one. Your children under 18, you need to protect and you need to help. Right. But after that, if they are toxic, then they need to leave and they need to um, as hard as that could be, learn sure. to you need to let them work through their problems. Yeah. They they need to experience life. They need to be allowed to learn their lessons, and you are holding them back. Yeah, if you continually mm -hmm. bail someone out of a bad situation, then you are part of the problem. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's something I've learned is is I don't know. Just I think part of what dr drove me to my profession in the first place was a natural sense of kind of altruism and wanting to help people, but. That can be kind of a negative trait if you let it run amok. And, and what I've learned over the last couple of years actually is sometimes the kindest thing you can do to somebody is to, to say no or to set a boundary. Absolutely. Or to tell them that they've been talking for an hour and they need to stop. <laughs> right? Um, and it, it seems mean, but sometimes that's the kindest thing to really do for that person in their development. And even if it's not. Or you in know. your development, too. Sometimes yeah. it's hard to shed somebody that you feel yeah. like maybe does good for you, but has wisdom and you grow older or something, you maybe say, oh, that person's not good for yeah. me. And, and even if it's not, it's like my kids need me and my wife needs me at more than 10%. You know, mm -hmm. they, I need to have more battery life for them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, and ultimately, what we, we've experienced is that if you continually prop that person up, and if they're really not trying to make the, the change that they should, you just delay that learning process they have. Growth. And they're yeah. just kind of suspended in this cycle instead of hitting the bottom and, and realizing this is miserable. I don't like this. I have to make a change. 
Mm. We can't make it for them. I was going to say, you have to, they have to make that decision. That's how, right. how are you, because Kirk, I know this part of your life too, is trying to figure out how to set boundaries and stuff like that. Like, what have you noticed in your life over the years as far as just being able to say no maybe or set boundaries with people? I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of as I get older, I just kind of feel like you get different energies from people and or like different, you can learn things from you. What's, I'm trying to think what of a quote. What are you getting from me right now? No, no. <laughs> Golf. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking about what's that, uh, show me your friends and I'll show you your future or something like that quote. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you start thinking about that and you're like, who are you hanging out with? Who's your friends or who do you talk to regularly? And what are their goals and ideas? And that's kind of gets back to what we talked a little bit before about, you know, that little seed in your head. If they're doing this or want to do that, then where are you going to head, you know? And that's kind of as also as a parent to kind of bring that around a little bit is like, I look at my children now and their friends and choices they make with their friends and this and that. And it's so tough sometimes to be like, no, that kid is not good to you, man. Like he's not nice to you, but they don't, they don't understand it. They don't get it. Exactly. And that's why I mean, like, I'm not trying to be old and wise or anything. I'm just saying as I get older, I can see these things that you're like, now you sentiment with my parents about, yeah, that's kind of where they're coming from a little bit. Well, and in retrospect, probably all of us can say, if I would have just listened to what my dad said, (laughs) or my mom said back then, Wow, I would have missed a lot of problems. True. Except your mom, who didn't want you to marry me. Oh, my gosh. Hey-o. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? We don't need to listen to my mom at any stage of our life. <laughs> wait, wait. This yeah, wasn't we say part that of the original story. Yeah, we didn't hear this one. Yeah. yeah. It, it yeah. was completely undeserved because, quite frankly, I was a catch back then. You have always been a catch. Oh, hey-o. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Dave's a stud. Yeah, He's a good well, dude. Yeah, always has been a stud. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thanks, son. Yeah. You can probably just edit that out. <laughs> no, that's staying in. It's getting thick in here. It's getting thick. Man, yeah. No, I mean, quite to be to be honest. Uh, no, no, to be, not to be honest. No. To be fair. No. I'm not gonna be fair. No, it's not fair. My mother was. She was worried about her her young daughter. No, no. She, she we got married fairly quick, and she her, did not like my decision, and I was mm, not listening to her. Right. And, she let you know she didn't like it either. Then, and I take so it. she did not approve of David and I was going against her wishes because he did not mind. Because I didn't mind? Yeah, you still don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) But she likes you now. Yeah, she does like me now. Yeah. I mind better than I used to. Yeah, you mind better. She likes you better now. Oh, there you go. (laughs) It only took 30 years. (laughs) Sometimes it takes 30 years, man. That's That's all right. We hope you enjoyed part one of this Who We're Becoming episode with Dave Glass and that you join us for part two when it releases later this week. Till then, take care, guys.